I want you to take a listen to this message on uh, what it means to find Sabbath rest in God, in his ability and who he is, not just in what he does. So take a listen, enjoy, exhale. Welcome to the Jada Edwards podcast. I want to dive in today to a little more. Y'all, this is fascinating. Like, I'm, I've already got the next five lessons planned out because of how much God has to say to us about rest. And here's what's interesting. I got a story this weekend. I went to Houston to see my grandmother, who is, she, tells you, she will tell you she's 91 and a half. And so, because she, you know, all the months count. So she's like, listen, every month I'm putting it on there. So she'll be 92 in December, but she, we went to Houston to see her and while we were there <clears throat> in Houston, comma, Texas, in the summer, her AC went out. I, ne- I needed you to feel it. I needed you to feel it. It's like the equator rose up through the floor and just sprayed a hot fog over everybody. And it was like, it's so hot. It's hot here, but in Houston, it's humid and hot. So if you're from anywhere south of here, Houston, Louisiana, you know what I'm talking about. You just walk around sweating. And so, I, so as soon as the AC went out, we were talking. It's like, wait, what happened? Because you know how in a regular house, the AC hits a temp and then it turns off? That don't happen. It's just, it's just working the whole time. So when it goes off, you feel it like in the next five minutes. So the AC went out, y'all, and we were sitting there trying to be holy and godly. And my kids, my kids are hot. They're like, it's hot. Joe was like, my hands are sweaty. And I was like, I know. Everything's sweaty. My eyelids are sweaty. Everything was sweaty. So we had to call a service company to come and fix it. But, you know, it was the holiday weekend. So, so you know, I answered the door with an attitude like, do not try to get over on us, you know, and so he was very nice, and he walked us through all of this stuff, and of course, my grandmother's house is a million years old, because that's the house she, her, and my grandfather built, you know, 60-something, 70-something years ago, so everything in there is old, so he basically laid out this map, and said, let me tell you, everything that's wrong, this A, B, C, D, Z, and back to double A, A, B, A, B, it was just like, everything was wrong, so he gives us this, and all these options, right, they're trying to set you up for what this is going to cost you, and so I was like, this, this is a car, not car, no, this is a car. This is a cash car, what y'all are talking about. So I was like, I think I can get a car for cheaper than what y'all are saying. So this was a figure upwards of $10,000. And so we sitting there, and she is a great money manager, but she's on a fixed income. And so I was like, okay, how are we going to pay? And come, my mom was there. We're trying to figure out how we're going to pay for this stuff. They go through these options, y'all. We're sitting there, and we're just like, Lord Jesus, okay, well, we're going to have to do this. We're going to finance it. She was like, I don't want to finance it. We're just going to write a check. I was like, hold on, hold on. We're not just writing out checks to the AC man. Just hold on. And she's talking about, but she has savings. Now, she don't play with her money, you know, and my grandfather, who was deceased, hooked her up. So, you know, they don't make pensions like that no more. So she, she's fine, but she was like, I don't like bills. I don't want no bills. I was like, hey, nothing wrong with a bill every now and then. Let's just, let's hold on. Let's hold on. So we coming up with these options, y'all, and we're trying to figure out how to finance this thing, and you got to finance house fixings, that's a problem. So the guy leaves, and they schedule up this long order for Monday. So that night, she's like, well, anyway, I'm going to pray about it. I'm not going to even worry about it. I said, well, I'm glad, because I'm a little bit worried. <laughs> so uh, she, she prayed about it. I know she did, she, but she didn't say anything. The next day was church. We're sitting in church, good Baptist church, we're in church all day. So we was in church. Oh, it was good. It was five good selections from the choir, Okay. <laughs> including full selections for welcome, offering, and communion. Like, full. Not no snippets, not house music. All right? They were like, sing the whole song. So, anyway. 
Y'all give me y'all track. Give me y'all track. So anyway, we went to church. We went to church. Uh, we went to church. And then we came home. We were sitting at dinner. And she said, so listen, I need to tell you something. Uh, let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Now, my, my grandmother loves Jesus for real. Bible doctrine, she corrected me on how to say stuff. She's for real. So when she's like, let me tell you what the Lord said, I was like, oh, okay. Go ahead, because I want to know, because he, I know he spoke. It's probably a cloud still hovering in your bedroom. So she tells me, she's like, well, I told him what the problem was, even though I know he already knew. And uh, I asked him what we need to do about it. And so then I just went to bed. And then about 3.10 in the morning, very specific, at about 3.10 in the morning, the Lord woke me up. And uh, he said to me that this is what we're going to do. So I'm not going to get all these things fixed. I'm only going to get this part fixed. And then he reminded me of a credit card I had just paid off. So instead of financing, I can put it all on that because that would be a lower interest rate. And then we're going to da-da-da-da. And she walked through this whole plan. Walked through this whole plan, y'all. And I'm sitting there with my mouth open. Because she basically said, even though y'all spent an hour and a half with this man (laughs) talking through these options, I took it to the Lord in prayer. (laughs) And what I got was better than what y'all got. Now, I appreciate y'all, right? But, and then she said, she said, that's why the song says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless grief we bear. Come on. All because we do. Everything. Your AC, your bills. And so, y'all, I'm sitting here listening to her tell this story, and I'm like, it's amazing her faith in the God that I say I have faith in, too, right? But what happens here in this situation is that she went to God to inquire of him, right? Just, God, what do you think? And when she went to him, let me tell you what she did after she talked to him. She went to sleep. She went to sleep. And at the right time... He awoke her out of her sleep. Do you understand that God spoke to her out of her rest? That while she was resting, once she had laid it before him, he woke her up from her rest and gave her a word. He didn't take her to Google and say, let me show you how to fix the AC. He didn't give her a new strategy. Just a few moments, he gave her divine clarity for a practical problem. Now see, a lot of times we think we're only gonna get this clarity from God in these spiritual problems, these moral issues. God, what do I do about this spiritual situation? But the things that really keep us up at night are these practical everyday things, and we often lose sleep because we are resting in our ability and not His. But God says, if you really believe that I'm able to do whatever it is you need done, Forget exceedingly abundantly. If you just believe I can do it, period, then you would talk to me about it, and then you would go rest. And at the right time, from your rest, I will speak, because you're resting in my ability. You are resting in the fact that you know I am able and I'm faithful. And so when I think about this moment, I thought about the trust that she has built with God over the years. Because you cannot instantly have this kind of Sabbath relief if you don't have regular Sabbath relationship with God. See, we we want it in the chaos and in the crisis. 
And God is saying, Sabbath is a lifestyle. You so into that. Because I tried to rest too, but I was laying there with my eyes open. And still a little bit hot because he had jumped... He had, he had jump-started the AC, but it wasn't all the way right. You know, it was still a little warm, and the fan was blowing, and I was like, geez, and trains was going by, because we in the, we in the inner city, right? So dogs barking, trains, there might have been some gunshots fine. I was sitting there like, Lord, what we going to do? What my grandmother going to do? She's older. She lives by herself. What we going to do? And she in there sleep. And probably about the time I fell asleep, she was getting up, but I fell asleep without any answers. She was waking up with some answers because God was speaking to her. And so he brought this story to my mind because today I want to talk to you about what it means to rest in his ability. I think one of the reasons that Sabbath is, is, is eludes us and we cannot find ourselves in true rest is because we're trying to rest in our ability and not in God's ability. And if you're going to have true Sabbath rest, you have to believe that he can and he will do it, whatever it might be. See, your ability actually creates anxiety. When is the last time on your own you tried to solve a problem? Just think about how that went. Did that feel like a vacation? You were like, I got 12 things to solve. This is going to be a great day. No. You, you probably did all kinds of things. You probably did not sleep well and we're stressed out. We lose sleep when we rest in our ability. We, we respond out, not in love to the people around us. We stress eat and we stress drink, and we stress sleep, and we stress cuss, and we stress everything else, and we blame it on the stress. You're like, I'm stressed, I got a lot on my mind, you know? And so the truth is, the truth is, you've got all these things that you're trying to wrestle with, and you take on the weight of the world, you're trying to strategize and solve and fix, and how often do you really say, God, I'm gonna give this to you, and because I've reached the end of myself, I'm gonna rest. Because Sabbath is about a regular reminder that we are dependent on God, that we are limited, that we are finite. But we think when I see the wall, when I feel the wall, when I hear my limitation, just push through. I need to just push through. And God's like, no, you need to sit down. You're, you're, you're not going to get a better insight on the other side of your limitation. That don't even make sense. That doesn't even make sense. You're not going to get a, a new clarity and, and when, y'all, when you are your only resource. So I want to remind us today and challenge us that Sabbath only comes when we're able to rest in God's ability. Now, last time we were together, we talked about three important things we need to actually rest in Sabbath, and that's God's ability, God's authority in, in our adoption. And the next two times, we'll talk about adoption and authority. But tonight, I want to talk about what it means to rest in God's ability. Now, we see a perfect example of this in Exodus 16, because the children of Israel were a little bit cray, and we're not speaking from judgment. We're speaking from a place of understanding, because we know we would have done the same thing. But we're going to be in Exodus 16 tonight and a couple of other places, and I just want to set this up, what it looks like to really uh, rest in God's ability or, or how it can work against us when we don't. So Exodus 16, here's what's happened. The, the children of Israel have been wandering, and I'm going to just read the first five verses to you and then skip down to kind of our main passage. Exodus 16, uh, 1 through 5 says, Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat when we ate bread to the full? 
for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. It was a little dramatic, but we, we get like that. Verse 4, then the Lord said to Moses, I think that's what the Lord said. These people, these people right here, no. It says, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them. Y'all say test. All right. Sometimes we need to know that it's a setup. All right. That I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. On the sixth day, this is verse 5, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. All right. Now let's fast forward. Aaron goes and tells the congregation. Aaron and Moses repeat all this to the congregation. Now in verse 13, here's what it says. So it came about at evening that the quails came up and covered the camp. Now I just wish I could see that. Just, just fowl coming up to my dinner. It's chicken. It's two pieces out there for everybody. <laughs> quail basket. Everybody get some. You get, you get a quail. All right. So verse 13. So it came about the evening that the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness there was a fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Now here's the next few verses. They're important. Verse 16 says, this is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every man as much as he should eat. Take an omer apiece according to the number of persons each of you has in your tent. Y'all got it was specific. Specific. He had measurements. He knew how many people you had. He had a head count. He's like, if you take what you're supposed to take, everybody be good, right? The sons of Israel did so. Some gathered much, some gathered little. But it didn't matter because he had it all the math worked out. Verse 18. When they measured it with an omer, he who gathered much had no excess. But he who gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. Verse 19. Moses said to them, let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. And some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. Then they gathered it morning by morning as every man as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt. So we have the children of Israel. They've been delivered from Egypt. That ain't enough. And they're also hungry. So God is like, cool, let me provide, because they are complaining. They're comparing Egypt to where they are today. So God provides, and here's the first mistake they made. And here's our first point for tonight, some things you need to know as we're learning how to rest in God's ability. You cannot second-guess God and live a Sabbath lifestyle. You cannot second-guess God and live a Sabbath lifestyle. Second-guessing God makes Sabbath impossible. Verse 19, Moses says to them, let no man leave any of it until morning. Leave how much? Any of it until morning. Verse 20, but they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it till the morning. It bred worms and became foul. He's trying to tell them, hey, God has got you. You don't need to hoard, okay? Just don't leave any of it because God is going to provide for you. He is trying to explain to them that they need to trust God. But what do they do? They hoard it, and they take it, and it goes bad. And I thought, how many times has God given me some extra I didn't ask him what he wanted to do with the extra. And all of a sudden, I had some bills that matched the extra. Or I had some expenses that exceeded the extra. Or maybe he gave me extra time or extra resources or extra anything. And somehow, because I did not offer it back up to him and I kept it to myself, have you ever found yourself having some extra? 
And when you think you know what to do with it, you're like, oh, this must be from the Lord. All the extra might be from the Lord, but you got to give it back to the Lord to know what he wants you to do with it. If not, the worms of life will eat it up. And you can find yourself in a bigger hole than you had before you even had the extra. He's saying, I need you to know that God has got you. They did not believe God would provide in the current situation because they were not convinced of his last provision. Hear me now. They did not believe that God would provide in the current situation because they were not convinced of his last provision. They complained about not being in Egypt because they said at least we would have had pots of meat. We would have had bread. They complained where they were, delivered free, not slaves anymore. They complained. And so because they could not see that coming out of Egypt was actually God's provision, they could not recognize what God's provision was in the current situation. So they see the manna and they say, what is it? Because there are some of us here who are not convinced that God provided for us the last time. And so when he's trying to show us a new thing, we can't even see it. We're like, what is it? It just passes us by because we're not convinced that he's been a provider all along. Some of us have been in situations that felt comfortable at the time. And they were like Egypt and you had bread and you had meat, but you didn't realize you were in slavery. And God set you free from that thing. And maybe now you're a little hungrier, but you're free. And so you don't see where you are today as provision. So when he provides more, when he provides in a new way, and he's got manna before you, you don't even recognize it because you're still bitter about the last thing that you think didn't work out the way you wanted. They could not see the food that God was giving them today because they weren't thankful for what he did yesterday. See, Sabbath, you can have Sabbath if, you're not gratitude, if you don't have gratitude. You still mad about the job loss and the divorce and all the things that went wrong. If you don't think that even the most painful thing in your life was not still somehow God's provision, you will miss what he's providing for you today. You will miss the manna because you're still mad about what happened in the past. And I'm not saying that we don't experience real trauma, that we don't experience unexplained pain, that we don't find ourselves in the hospital or at the gravesite wondering how we got here. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I'm saying that if you let that pain convince you that God is not a provider, when he provides again, you will miss the manna. You won't be able to recognize it. So if you want to find a Sabbath lifestyle, you have to understand that you cannot second-guess God. And if you think you're missing something today, instead of just saying, God, show me what you're doing today, why don't you say, God, show me what I'm not thankful for from yesterday? You can't just start today. God, show me what I'm still low-key bitter about. God, show me what I'm still expecting you to explain. God, show me what I'm still expecting you to justify to me. God, show me where I'm still expecting you to make things right for what happened to me. God, show me where I'm still needing an apology. I'm still needing an invitation. I'm still needing a promotion. God, show me. You need him to show you how you missed the last provision so that you can start to see the new provision that he's given you. Most of us cannot rest. Most of us cannot experience a Sabbath lifestyle 
because we don't really believe that God is able. We have backup plans and plan B, and we have that seed in our mind that's bigger than our faith seed. That's a seed of doubt. And it's a just-in-case seed. And a just-in-case will jack you up every time. It'll jack you up every time. God is saying, you, you don't know what the manna looks like today because you don't even recognize the deliverance from yesterday. So could it be that even in the pain, God was a provider? Even in the mourning, even in your own mistakes and circumstances and consequences and the what-ifs and the why-nots, could it still be that God is a provider? If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and leave a comment or review, share it with somebody that you know needs to hear it, and subscribe to my podcast. And make sure and join us for our next episode as we continue to talk about finding rest in God.